Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. Hey guys, so just a quick overview here on Panthera Advisors, as I think it might be of value to you. So Panthera Advisors exist in order to help founders that are in the process of raising capital or get their company acquired. I actually started the company out of incredible frustration because during my entrepreneurial journey, which involved building, financing, scaling, and exiting companies, I could not find a resource that was founder-friendly and I could not get the type of support that I was seeking. So as a result, I made a ton of mistakes along the way. So if you're looking to raise capital, or you are looking to get your company acquired, or just need some sound financial planning, and you're looking to get the best possible outcome in the shortest period of time, feel free to learn more by visiting us at pantheraadvisors.com, or just reach out directly and shoot me a note at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome to the Deal Maker Show. So I'm I'm really excited about the the founder that we have today, um, that we're gonna have today here on the show because he's done it a, a bunch of times as well. Uh, and you know, he's he's been there, done it the full cycle. Now what he's doing is saying uh, it's unbelievable. And we're gonna learn, you know, quite a bit, you know, on on coming to the US, on building something, on going through different types of roles, different types of skill sets. But I guess without further ado, I'd like to welcome our guest today, Ariel Cohen. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Really exciting to be here. So originally from Jerusalem, from Israel, the startup nation. How was uh, life uh, growing up there? Yes, I was actually born in Jerusalem, but then moved more to the central uh, side of Israel. And, you know, Israel, to your point, it's very much techy environment. Uh, most of the economy is tech and startups. And therefore, you know, from uh, the get-go, as I was finishing university, I went and uh, worked for a startup. And that was kind of my life since then. Uh, different technology companies, uh, building stuff, uh, really being part of this ecosystem. And very early on, I mean, when startups were not such a, such a popular thing where you had like, you know, now everyone wants to be in startups. But, you know, back then in the 90s, no, around that time, you know, there was not a lot going on in startups. Yeah, actually, the first uh, startup that I worked for, uh, you know, I joined them in 99. So that's a long time ago, which suggests my age. I don't know if I want to. <laughs> but I do have a lot of gray hair, so that gives you a hint. And it was interesting. I think that's what I like about startups. They have so much of, of the ups and downs. It's like, you know, I know that people are always using the cliche of a roller coaster, but every startup has its own roller coaster. And for people that like it, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. You know, you start, you're part of this, you know, you go up and then something happens and you go down and then you go up again and so on. I love it. I love the excitement. I love the buildup of this and so on. So yeah, from the get-go, I always enjoy that kind of thrill. And in your case, I mean, you you passed through different roles and, and different companies. So you were in Comtouch, in in Mercury, in HP, and then in Jive, which is you know the 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 last one that you did before really diving into it as a as an entrepreneur. 
I mean, what what would you say that you really learned through all these different roles and and from all these different companies? Yeah, I think in every place that you work for, you you learn something. Uh, so so I'll give you an example. You know, and and a place that is the opposite uh, of uh, of a startup, HP, right? So I got acquired. I used to work for Mercury Interactive, and we got acquired into HP in '06. And and me being an entrepreneur, HP probably could be the opposite, right, uh, of what I like. But even then, there a lot of the things that I know about B two B, right, about channels, about how to go to market, how to understand the enterprise customer, uh, really happened uh, there. Uh, so that was really interesting, uh, I would say, experience. Um, then a, a jive, um, you know, I really learned how to think about the end user, right, as part of the problem. Jive was a social uh, platform for, for enterprises, and it was very, very focused on the end user experience, what, you know, how the user will experience the app. So this is re- really what I learned there. And if I'm thinking about the various companies that I worked for, they all uh, really try to ex- to achieve product market fit that in my mind as a product person that's the most important thing that you can uh, think of so as a product person and especially for the people that are listening what what do you think it takes to really get to product market fit I think, you know, it's interesting. I had, uh, you know, this is my second uh, startup. Actually, I've done two startups with the same co-founder, with uh, Elon Twig. And uh, in the previous startup that we had, I think that we've never achieved a product market fit. We had a really good idea there and an observation of a need. Uh, But it was very, very hard to find the right customers uh, for that product in a given market. And I think that when this is hard, you know, startups has a lot of hard things, but when you're out of product market fit, it's actually very, very hard to be successful. When you are at product market fit, I think there are, you can make a lot of mistakes, but you'll still be very successful. So uh, it is related to the market, right? It's related to the market that you're operating in. It is related to uh, your approach to the market. Do you have a unique observation? Do, can you create something? Do you have a unique value proposition for this market? Um, you need to be passionate, I think, about the problem. I, I think that if you don't fully, fully understand the problem by yourself and excited about solving the problem, it's actually very hard to build a real product, exciting products. So I think the market needs to be ready for you. Uh, the users, the customers, and you need to have a, a unique observation on this market. And I can tell you a little bit later uh, how we thought about trip actions in this context, but uh, this is really what I would define as product market fit. And why do you think, for example, in your case, I mean, you obviously had, you love entrepreneurship. I mean, you, you were talking about it uh, before. Why do you think in your case it took you so much time to really say, hey, you know what, I'm going to take the leap of faith and go at it here on, on my own? Yeah, it's a really good question. You know, I did it. I did my first startup on a fairly, I would say, late stage of my career. And it is related to, you know, kind of your, everybody, each of us have a, its own a kind of story in life. So, for example, when I worked for a Mercury Interactive in the, like, uh, roughly 20 years ago, I really liked the company and I was very much drawn to the mission there. And I felt that I'm part of this journey. 
And in a lot of ways, when you feel like that, you don't have a lot of reasons to go and uh, try to build your own thing. You're very much part of the culture of something that you believe in. Uh, over time, you start to kind of have this, uh, at least that was my experience, uh, you start to think about culture. What type of company do you want to create? What type of culture do you want to have in this company? Uh, what kind of a difference do you want to make? So for me, it took me some time, I, I think mainly because I was uh, happy in the various places that I was part of. And I think that when that's the case, uh, you have less reasons to, to, to jump. And eventually there is another thing, and I know that there are a lot of entrepreneurs that are listening to this. Uh, making the jump, like really starting a startup, it's, it's a really hard uh, thing, right? Because you basically need to give up everything. It's not, a, I, it's ve it is very, very different than the way that it looks like in the movies. Uh, it takes time to get funded. It takes time to uh, nail an idea. It's, it takes time to have the belief that you're onto something. So making this jump, definitely on the first startup, I think it, it is actually very hard. But I think that once you do it, I don't think there is a way back, right? Once you do it once, you always want to be an entrepreneur. A hundred percent. So then, obviously, you know, like uh, here, you know, it really took you to stream once your first business. Uh, obviously, it was a short-lived uh, experience. It was, it was quite fast, everything. So, so tell us about this one. Yeah, first of all, you know, it was really short. We sold it uh, in uh, nine months. And, you know, from a return perspective, it did nice. We gave more than 3x return to our investors, right? So it was cool. But from creating something perspective, creating a real company, we didn't manage to do it. Uh, so it was, from that perspective, a failure. And StreamOnce was really interesting. I think today, when you have Slack, uh, it is really, really easy to understand it. But back then, it was hard. What we were saying is that in order to collaborate in the enterprise between all of the various cloud systems, you need to be able to integrate them easily. Uh, and you need to do it on the communication layer. So I'll give you an example. We connected the email to, uh, to, to Jive, right? So people can communicate in email and in Jive seamlessly. We've connected between Box, a Dropbox, and a G-Drive and SharePoint that, again, people will be able to collaborate between these platforms seamlessly. So you think about Slack today, Slack, one of the major principles of Slack is that it is integrated, right, to your uh, workflow, to your workplace, to all of the systems that you're using. Back then, that was not the case, and we tr uh, tried to create a platform that will allow this integration. So again, much easier to explain today if you use something like Slack Back then, it was very, very hard to explain it. Of course. So, so how was that journey um, with StreamOnce? Because you know, one thing that that it was really that is really remarkable here is that you leave Jive and then you go back to Jive because Jive acquired the business. Yes. So that was an interesting story. So you know, part of our business model was OEM. So we basically developed this technology. And we had partnerships, and uh, the two first partners, partners that we had were uh, Jive and Box. And we developed really good relationships with their uh, product teams, right? We were a very small company, by the way. We were like five people in the company, so really, really small company. It was me, Elon, uh, my co-founder, and, uh, and uh, three other developers. Later, before we sold, we were six. So very, very small company. 
and and uh, we had this relationship with Box and Jive. We signed partnerships with them, and then uh, both of them uh, offered us to to basically to acquire us. And again, at that point, it's more of like, uh, do you believe that by yourself you can get to a product market fit? And our belief was that we cannot. Uh, we had kind of had some customers. We had actually two customers at that point. We had these partnerships, and we felt that we can bring Stream Ones to many more uh, places and to many more customers and users by uh, going in and be part of either Jive or Box. And that was that, that eventually we landed on Jive. It was more negotiation reasons, right? But uh, but it was basically getting back home. You know, I was walking there, I left, and I got back to Jive. So it was really, really interesting experience. Yeah, I mean, interesting for sure. I mean, I, then you were there for another couple of years. So, I mean, it seems like the folks from Jive, they did not want to let you go. But eventually, you know, everything led to a snow blizzard that they led you to trip actions. What happened there? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, in these two years... Um, Ilan and I uh, were talking a lot about the things that I think are the most important thing for entrepreneurs to, to think through. And it's not what's the idea or uh, how you're going to raise money or uh, how you're going to start a startup. It was actually a different discussion. It was, why do we want to do a startup, right? What is the reason for us to go and do another startup and not uh, just, uh, you know, stay at Jive or go to a different organization? And this discussion led to a really, I would say, deep uh, uh, observation or uh, understanding about ourselves, which is we want to build a, a company that will last for a very long time, that will make a real difference, uh, that will uh, change an entire industry. Uh, and interestingly enough, at the beginning, we didn't know which uh, industry, right? But we really spent a lot of time defining that, that it's about changing something, that it's about building something meaningful. Um, and when you look at this from that lens, then the discussion led to, um, it's not only product market fit, it needs to be product market fit in a really big market that is ready for disruption. So that was another definition that was very important. And then we looked at different things. We looked at insurance, we looked at benefits, we looked at a lot of different things. When we landed on travel, the reason that we got excited about it, it's not only the fact that it is a huge market, it is probably the most ready-to-disruption market that I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but there was another thing. We were very passionate about it. Both of us were uh, uh, road warriors. We've used any travel solution that is out there in our past. Um, we also uh, saw it from the management side, right? We saw the type or the lack of capabilities around managing the budget effectively, uh, knowing where your employees are. So we kind of knew it from both sides, from the sides of the users, us as road warriors, and from the sides of executive in, executives in companies that are trying to manage travel. And we got passionate about it, and we knew that it meet other criteria, such as big market and ready for disruption. So we felt that because of it, that's what we should do. And I think this time that we took to define these things, right? I didn't talk about product up until now. We didn't define the product at this stage. We defined the criteria. I think that in a lot of ways, that's why Trip Actions is so successful. Wow. So then how, how do you guys make money with Trip Actions? 
Yeah, so you know, right now it's an interesting time, right? Because uh, we are uh, going through uh, uh, the coronavirus crisis. So right now it's actually, uh, we are not making a lot of money right now. Generally, our business model is that we sign a B2B uh, customer. So a B2B customer could be uh, somebody like, uh, interesting enough, Zoom is a customer of ours. And uh, Slack are using us and Lyft and, and so on. And we sign them as a corporate customer. And then their employees are starting to book their trips through us. And the company can, can manage the budget, can have a visibility into the budget, can know from a safety perspective where their employees are and so on. So, and the way that we make money, we charge a certain platform fee, but then we also uh, charge a booking fee per trip. So it's very much usage-based. And as long as people are using the product, uh, we are making money. It's a bar that we've purposely created. We wanted to have a, a bar where if only if you create value, you are getting paid, right? So only if the product is really good, only if the employees like to use us, only if the companies like to use us, we're going to get paid. And if they don't get value, uh, we don't get paid. And when you do that, it, it, I, we think that it assures a really, really good product. Uh, the one caveat there is that obviously in a situation like COVID, then your uh, revenue goes to a very, very uh, small number. So obviously when we've built the business model, we didn't think about that scenario. Uh, but all in all, I'm still happy about this business model because it creates the right alignment between, uh, you know, between the customers and us as a, as a provider. Got it. But I mean, even though the time that we're living in now, you know, obviously is, is difficult for everyone. We're going to come out of it. And it's just a matter of time. And I think that, you know, you guys, you know, it's incredible, like the timing. I mean, on, on, on the race that you guys did in, in February. How much capital have you guys raised to date? Yeah, so we've raised close to half a billion uh, through equity. And we also have a debt facility of another uh, half a billion. And to your point, the timing here was very, very critical. We've closed our last equity financing round in uh, May last year. Uh, and when we've closed it, uh, it was when we still didn't even touch the money from the round before it, right? So we've basically accumulated enough cash uh, to, you know, the intent was to mainly fuel our growth, right? That's what we were doing it. But obviously, right now, it allows us to weather the storm. And our belief is that we're going to come out of this stronger. And the main reason that we believe that we're going to come out of this uh, stronger is that, you know, we are a technology company and we are, we are operating in the, in the travel space. And usually, uh, we are competing with travel agencies, right? So you can think about something that is very, very antiquated in the way that they operate. Uh, a lot of agents, a lot of manual work, and 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 so on. Uh, so for us, coming with the technology to manage the post-COVID era. So for example, our data team right now is building an entire functionality around uh, allowing business travel managers around, around uh, allowing our customers to know if it is safe to take a certain route, right? A certain trip, right? Not now. Now everybody are sheltering in place, but I'm talking when things will get back to some normality. So again, you have to use data and technology uh, to do that. 
Uh, we are also uh, building unique capabilities around how to manage your budget in the most efficient way. All of these things, if before that you could afford to use some travel agency and a lot of agents, I believe that post COVID you will not be able to afford it and you'll have to use, like in a lot of other business lines, you'll have to use real cloud data-driven technology companies like us. So while this situation is really, really tough for everybody, I also think that we have enough money to weather the storm and to come out of this stronger. Yeah, absolutely. And, and obviously, I mean, you've, you've seen the dot-com bust, you've seen 9-11, you've seen 2008. So, I mean, obviously, you, you definitely have the experience to know how to, how to tackle this. The, the experience here is super, super important. And it's actually not just me, it's even uh, my board, right? Think about someone like uh, Ben Horowitz, right? He managed uh, his company, Opsware, or LoudCloud back then, uh, during the dot-com uh, crisis in, in, in 9-11, right? Um, I have uh, Oren Ziv who invested uh, in companies uh, during these crises. Uh, I have uh, Arif, uh, John Muhammad from Lightspeed, who really um, have right now such a unique visibility on all of the B2B companies, the most, of the, the most exciting companies that are out there in the market, and see how they are affected uh, by the crisis. So all of this experience, alongside the fact that me and Elon, my co-founder, and in fact, most of our management team, have been around in uh, 99 as well as 08, so it's actually 2000 as, as well as 08, uh, yeah. is extremely important right now on how to weather a storm like, uh, like the one that we have. So for the people that are listening, uh, mainly the entrepreneurs, uh, Ariel, what would be the three tips that you would share with them on how to weather the storm? I think the first one is to be as transparent as you can with your team, okay? Uh, I think it's a huge, huge mistake to promise something, right? Think about, think about the situation. The amount of unknown here is huge, right? And employees and definitely want certainty, right? They want to hear from you that their job is protected that you'll never do layoffs, right? That you'll not take down the, you know, cut their salaries and so on. And I think that the right thing to do is to constantly share with your employees the situation, the business model, your assumption around the situation, and to be honest with them, to be as open as you can with them. So I think that's the first thing because uh, obviously, um, you know, we took already one tough decision. We, we let go, uh, 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 we laid off 300 employees. When you do something like that, it comes down to trust, right? Do I have the employees that are part of three actions trusting me or not? And you do it through a transparency. So that's one thing. I think this is very, very important. Uh, the other thing I think it's important to continue to grow the business, to sign new customers, to make sure that you don't have customers that are churning. You, uh, it's really important to continue and build the business, even in tough times. Uh, and a lot of the focus that we, we, we have here is around that, how we are continuing to explain the value proposition of trip actions once people are coming back to travel and why that's the time to run a change. That's the time to actually look if you're using a, something like Concare and a traditional travel management company such as the American Express, okay, or a FCM flight center, 
uh, you don't have the right solution for the day after, right? And it is our role to explain it to the customers, even in this situation. So continue to grow the business. I think it's the second principle. And I think the last one is innovate, right? Use, you know, this, the environment has changed and it creates a lot of opportunity for innovation. Uh, we are doing really, really amazing things right now in the product and R&D team and data team around the, uh, around the future. Around, the, for example, when this situation started, we've released a map that showed to our customers where their employees are and also based on their planned trips, where they are going to be. And then we allowed our customers to act upon it, upon it. So we correlated it with the CDC recommendations and we showed our customers, hey, you have X amount of employees that are planning a trip to Italy, as an example. I'm talking about the beginning of March. And then they could decide, hey, we want to cancel the trip. We want to have a discussion with the employee. We want to take the entire ability to fly to Italy uh, from the platform, right? So it was data driven, our data plus the CDC data, um, our insights, and then the actions that the customers could take on, on this. This was an initial feature that we've released since uh, back then. Since then, we've done a lot of iterations around this functionality. And I think that when people will get back to travel, it's really, and I mean it, and you can probably hear it in my voice, it's not a marketing thing. I don't think how you're going to use anything else that it's not trip actions. You cannot give a list uh, to the American Express or FCM uh, agents that will show them uh, uh, you know, where you can travel and where you cannot travel. You need to use data-driven uh, technology solution to do it. All of the bookings needs to be happen online uh, through a technology. So that's a must. And I think that uh, inno inno innovation in uh, tough times is really, really important. Got it. And uh, how many employees then, you know, after doing the layoffs, how, how many employees do you have now? We are around 800 employees right now. Uh, yeah, the various team. So about leadership, Ariel, you know, especially, I mean, obviously, you know, having to do the layoffs is uh, not fun. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're dealt certain cards in life because there's a lesson there for us to learn. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, going through times like this, you know, it's uh, I'm sure it has been super difficult for you as well as the leader. So, I mean, what, what, what would you say was the lesson there that you needed to learn? Yeah, I think, first of all, uh, again, I've talked about communication earlier. Um, so, you know, we, it's not only that we needed to do layoffs, right? We needed to do it uh, in an era that you cannot meet your people, right? So you have to do it uh, using a, a video conferencing solution. And, 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 you know, usually we think about layoffs, right? You want to stand in front of the team, right, in front of the people that are affected, then you want to talk with them. Then you want to talk with your entire uh, organization, right? With the people that are staying, which is all of the steps that we took, right? We talked we talk to the people that got affected, right? Then we talked with them on a personal level. Then there were some exceptions. We talked to them about that. Then we talked with the entire trip action team. But the caveat was that we needed to do it over video conferencing. Uh, this is really, really, really hard. I'm sure that there are some entrepreneurs that they are, are doing it right now or have been doing it in the last uh, month uh, or two, and uh, figuring out how to do it in the most efficient, compassionate way 
that's so important. I think, uh, you know, we did okay there, but there is always room to improvement on how you're creating it is a very, very personal experience while you cannot really meet the person that you're laying off. Of course, of course. So, Ariel, so so now let's let's imagine that, uh, that you go to sleep tonight. And uh, let's say that you wake up in five years from now. So, I mean, it's a... It's an off-the-chart snooze, Ariel. <laughs> and, yeah. and basically, you, you're waking up in a world where the vision of trip actions is completely realized. What does that world look like? Yeah, you know, our mission is to empower uh, the in-person connections that move businesses and ideas forward, right? And I think that missions are very important to stress test in hard times, right? So think about it. We defined our mission uh, four years ago, and now I cannot think of something that is more relevant for that. For businesses to get back to business, right, to move forward, you need to meet face-to-face. You eventually need to go on a trip and meet people face-to-face. And so our mission really stands. And we always said that to meet this mission, we want to build the best travel solution on the planet that everything around us is seamless, right? It's super easy to book your trip. It's super easy to pay for it. It's easy for the companies to manage it, right? To reconcile the trip, to think about the expense side of it and so on. So if you look at the trip actions in five years as the standard for a travel and expense and safety solution, basically everything that you need around managing travel in one solution and becoming the number one platform, basically leading the market, um, that's uh, that's it's it's more than a dream. I'm certain that that's where we're gonna be. Got it. So now, Ariel. So I mean, it's been an amazing journey as an entrepreneur that you've had. So now, you know, with Trip Actions, you know, I mean, it, the last time you did the full cycle. So I guess if you had the opportunity, let's say to to go back in time, uh, you know, maybe like that younger. Uh, Ariel, you you speak with that younger self that is thinking about maybe launching a business. Knowing what you know now, if you had that opportunity to give one piece of advice to that younger Ariel, knowing what you know now before launching a business, what would that be and why? I would say do it much, much, much early and don't be afraid to do it early. So I think, you know, we kind of touched it earlier in in this discussion. Um, I, I've did it fairly late and, uh, and as I said earlier, there are a lot of reasons for that, but I'm sure that I could, uh, create a bigger, make a bigger impact on the world if I would have started to be an entrepreneur much earlier in my career. And that's definitely the advice that I will give to my younger self and also to everybody that is listening. Uh, if you have this passion to be an entrepreneur, uh, just go and do it as early as you can. Uh, don't be ignorant about it. Talk with people, learn, listen, uh, take advice, and so on. So don't think that it's going to be easy, but definitely, uh, you know, start it as, a, as, a, as soon as you can. I think you're going to probably fail a few times. Uh, you're going to learn a lot, and eventually you have the ability to create something really, really big. Very nice. Very profound, Ariel. So for the folks that are listening, what is the best way for them to reach out and say hi? Yeah, you know, I'm very, my email is actually very open. It's ariel at tripactions.com. You can always shoot me an email. 
And I'm always trying to be very responsive, whether it's with our employees, but also with, uh, with anybody that is out there. So just, uh, you know, uh, try to do it through, through my email. Amazing. Well, Ariel, thank you so much for being on the DealMaker Show today. Thank you so much. I had a lot of fun. It was fun discussion. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the DealMakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.